Welcome to the Tell Janice Radio Show, where you will hear inspiring stories about life, love, and labor from amazing women to help lift you up. Now, here's your host, Janice. Thanks very much, and welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're listening, and I'm sure you're going to learn a lot from our guest today. But before we get started, I wanted to remind you that if you know of a fabulous female that you would like me to give a shout-out to with a few words of encouragement, acknowledgement, or congratulations, please let me know their names by clicking on the link at telljanice.com. I'm so excited to have Pat Patty Kogatek on our show today. She's of um, Spiritually Speaking. She's an author, an accomplished author out of Phoenix, Arizona. Her book, A Change of Habit, has helped thousands with curing their anxiety to living a guilt-free life. She says, let's kick the guilt to build our happiness. Welcome to the show, Patty. Thank you so much. I'm excited, like I said, to have you on. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? <laughs> well, the, um, the book is based around my life, and um, I kind of didn't go the normal route that most people do, go to college and then get married. Um, I was raised in Nebraska and as a Catholic, went to Catholic grade school and high school, and from there I entered the convent. It was in the 60s when President Kennedy you know, was throwing out a challenge to the country, don't ask what the country can you do for you, but what you can do for the country and there was a call to service and he started the peace corps and that's what i wanted to do i have always felt this calling to help people and um to be of service so i entered the convent and i was in the convent for seven years and um you know got to be what i said a guilt sponge in my book it's uh and i think a lot of women are guilt sponges i don't think you have to be a, a an ex-nun <laughs> to have guilt we you know we are raised to please people and to make people happy and to be perfect, and especially as a Catholic, if you weren't perfect, you committed this sin and had to go to confession. And um, from there, just kind of you guilt, you walk into these guilt-ridden behaviors, like we pretend things things are all right, and we just perform our duties, and we procrastinate hard decisions, and um, so. Um, I came out of the convent feeling guilty that I had, you know, let my superiors down, my family, God, and immediately got into a marriage that lasted for about 12 years. I knew the day I walked down the aisle it was uh, not right for me, but I was trying to catch up with my peers. My younger sisters were getting married and having kids, so I wanted to blend in and not stand out. And um, so when I was 38, I um, realized I had to break a rule the first time in my life and get a divorce. Physically, I was just taken down. I, you know, I kind of pretended everything was okay for years. And then when your health goes, you look at your life and inside. And I think our, you know, mind, body, spirit is all one. And so my body and was trying to tell me to look inside. And um, I did and had to go through a divorce. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do. But um, it turned out for the better. And I was um, single for six years, and then my sister introduced me to my present husband, and we've been married 24 years. So that's my life in a nutshell. <laughs> wow. Well, that's a great story. What was the pivotal moment at, at, during those seven years in the convent? What made you, you know, what happened to make you pull away from that? Well, what happened is, you know, I always had this, I was always kind of unhappy, I got so lonely in there, and, you know, we couldn't talk about our families or, you know, a lot of things that mattered. We were supposed to concentrate on our, our spirituality, our religious upbringing, and build a relationship with God. 
And so I always kind of stuck it out. But I finally looked at myself and I said, I'm just unhappy. I just need to do something. But I didn't know what to do. I had what I call analysis paralysis. And I think we go through this when we're laden with so much fear and so much guilt. We can't think for ourselves. We're so programmed to make other people unhappy and follow the rules that we kind of lose ourselves. And that's what happened to me. So after the sixth year in the convent, I finally sought a, a, the, a chaplain. He was the chaplain for our, our convent in Omaha. And I went and I told him how unhappy I was, but I didn't want to let God down. I wanted, if he gave me this special gift of a vocation, I wanted to do what I was supposed to do with my life, but I wasn't happy. And so he gave me this, what you say is a pivotal um a pivotal thing to think about and in my book I give seven secrets for guilt-free living and this is number four and these secrets all help me to um, have the courage and the freedom to follow my heart rather than somebody else's and he told me this don't worry about making a good decision instead make a decision good so if you follow your heart and make a decision just follow it, and you can't be wrong. I wanted to be right. I wanted to make a, the right decision. And he said, don't worry about that. Don't worry about making a good decision. Instead, make a decision good. And so that was kind of the pivotal point. And so at that point, at year six, I decided to leave the convent, and I went to the mother superior and told her that I had decided to leave. <laughs> Here's another example of how hard, how difficult it is to shake the guilt. I went to her and told her I was going to leave. This was in the summer. And she said, well, sister, that um, I have committed you to teach at this holy name grade school for fourth grade the following year in September. And she said, I've committed to that. And if you do that, she said, I will only have 22 nuns rather than 23. Can you help me out? And, of course, the guilt sponge that I am said, oh, of course, I'll give you one more year. So I stayed in for seven years. Wow, that was that was quite a decision that you made to kind of stick around and, and help out in that regard. Um, can you go through those seven secrets um, to guilt-free living? You mentioned one of them. What was the mm -hmm. first one? The first one is don't let religion get in the way of your relationship with God. And I think that people today are craving for that secret because we do look to religion, organized religion, to um, build our relationship with God. But sometimes going to Mass and saying the rosary and going through all these external you know, exercises does not really build your personal relationship with God. So you're responsible for that, not the priests or the nuns. So you have to kind of take responsibility and find God in your everyday life. So that's secret number one. Secret number two is life is not a matter of chance, but of choices we make along the way. Sometimes I think we forget how powerful we are, and we do have choices. And our life is made up of every little choice we make during the day. And, and like, I just kind of went through life trying to please people and not realizing <clears throat> I was really making a choice. And just staying in the status quo in a in a convent or in a marriage for 12 years, a failed marriage, that really is a choice. And um, I think that we just think it's happening by chance, but it's not. And secret number three is you can't steal second base until you take your foot off first. That's an analogy um, from baseball. <laughs> and you mm -hmm. have to be a risk 
you have to be a risk taker. And sometimes we want to go to second base. We want to get there, but we don't want to give up what we have. We feel safe. We feel secure. We know what's expected of our marriage or our choice in life. But it's very fearful to run over there to second base to really what we want and take a risk because there's no there are no guarantees. So right. Okay, I'm just going through these. So if you want to chat about them, let me know. Secret number four was that don't worry about making a good decision. Instead, make a decision good. And secret five, one. yeah. And secret five is it's from a court, fortune cookie, and it says good judgment comes from experience. Experience comes from bad judgment. Absolutely. Again, yeah, yeah, I know. Good judgment <laughs> comes from experience. Experience comes from bad judgment. So that gives us the freedom to make mistakes. I mean, we were brought up not to fail, to be perfect. And I heard um, an interview with um, Sarah Blakely. She's the young woman who started Spanx. You know, the mm-hmm. the shapewear industry. And um, oh yeah. Yeah, and so she said they were interviewing her on the BBC, and the interviewer said, well, what do you attribute your success to? And Sarah said, well, I owe a lot of it to my father. She said every um, Sunday when we sat around the dinner table, he asked he asked her how she had failed and what she learned. So she said, I grew up with the idea that failure was part of life, and it's a stepping stone. So we have to see our missteps as really stepping stones and get used to failure. It's no reflection on who you are or what, you know, or your worth. It's just part of the process. And that wasn't the way I was brought up. And so that um, bad judgment and failure, that's all about that secret. Right. And let's see, then secret number six is when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. That's a Zen proverb, and I think we tend sometimes to look back on our lives and say we regret things and wonder why we didn't do things this way with this new knowledge and this new learning, but sometimes we're just not ready. We just have to kind of go through the the, the missteps and the stepping stones to be where we are. So right. we can't beat ourselves up. The teacher will appear when we're ready. And the last one is uh, happiness is not a gift but a skill. And that's really important for all of us to know um, that we look to other people for our happiness and it's not it's not outside of ourselves. And it's not sometime in the future when the kids leave school or when we retire or when we can buy a house. It's, it's really right now. And um, if not now, when? I mean, you, we have to really make that choice to look within and build our own, our, choose our own happiness. In my uh, little workshops, I give this example. This older man, he was about 93, and he lost his wife, and he had to go to a nursing home for care. And he sat out in the waiting room for about an hour, and finally the attendant came and was going to take him to the room. And so she was escorting him down the hall, and he said, Oh, I love my room. And she kind of, the attendant kind of laughed and said, well, sir, you haven't seen it yet, you know. And he said, well, that doesn't make any difference. He said, I decided this morning that I was going to like my room. He says, happiness is a choice. 
He said, I could get up every morning and think about the body parts that don't work and that don't move and that hurt. Or he said, I can be grateful for the parts that I do have and that work. And I think that's a perfect example of mm-hmm. the choices we have every morning of what kind of day we're going to have. Because Absolutely. really we have control of our attitude, and that's about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you mentioned, um, was it your mom or was it your dad that helped you, you know, um, kind of come up with the decision? Or did they, you know, add to the guilt when you decided to leave? Oh, no. Oh, here's a really good example. Well, when I decided to go into the convent, my parents actually did not want me to go in. But I was so stubborn, I said, you know, I really want to do this. And Dad said, well, if you don't like it, then you can always come out to college. And I said, fine. So he let me do what I wanted to do, you know, follow that dream. But when I, on that year six, when I had, after I had talked to the priest and kind of made the decision to follow my heart, but I still, still needed approval from my dad. So that summer when I was home, I said to my dad, I said, what would you think if I left the convent? And this is a wise parent. He said, well, Patty, he said, if you stayed in the convent, I would be the proudest father in the world. And he said, but if you left the convent, I would be the happiest father in the world. So it was a win-win. It was a win-win situation for me. And I realized at that point, the decision was mine. Like the priest has said, there's no right or wrong decision. Just follow your heart. So then I did. That's when I went back and said, I'm really leaving. So, I mean, you know, even to this day, you, you look for people for approval. We all want to be loved and be thought well of. And so it's a difficult road to walk, to take care of others and take care of yourself. Right. I like what your dad said. You know, he gave it's, you a win-win situation. Mm-hmm. No matter mm-hmm. what your decision was going to be, right? It was going to make him happy or proud, and I lived my life to do both. You know, so it was like it was. That, those were the words I had to hear, and he, he gave them to me. It was great. Well, it sounds like you were raised with that kind of um, support. Now, not everyone um, is a former nun like you, right? So, how, how do we all lose our happiness? I mean, what happens there? I mean, how? How can you help us with, you know, when we get to that point and we realize all those things that you just said? Well, what do part we do now? The, part of the reason is we don't really think about our happiness, and we just kind of go through life fulfilling our responsibilities and obligations, and um, we kind of we do those behaviors that I said. We pretend everything is all right. We perform our duties, and we procrastinate hard decisions because we don't want to um, offend anybody. And especially as women, we're afraid to say no to anybody. You know, we want people to like us. We, you know, um, we, and so we fall into that that trap. But I would say we really just have to listen to our bodies. Our bodies are trying to tell us things. You know, like. Um, that stress and that guilt comes out in like headaches or, you know, there's muscle tension or, you know, you, your body tries to tell you something. And then you look at your emotions. I mean, sometimes you don't have any confidence because you have to wait for everybody else to tell you what to do. You might be depressed. I mean, your mind is probably worrying all the time and you're negative and you can't make decisions. And, you know, 
sometimes you can't sleep, you're restless, you might drink a glass of wine or a bottle of wine. I mean, just look at your behaviors and you'll kind of go know what you're going through. And it doesn't take much to lose your happiness. So I would just suggest if you could journal every day, you know, how you feel and what your body's trying to tell you. I mean, I'm writing a new book now. It's called G-Vites. Everyday Invitations from God, and it's going to come out in uh, February. And in the book, I kind of talk about this. I say if you take a journal and put it in, take a piece of paper and put it into four quadrants, and the first quadrant, write what is really working for you, the people, the situations that make you happy, what makes your soul sing, what makes you peaceful at night. And then in the next quadrant, write down what is not working, what... um who is it or what is it that's dragging you down, that's making you unhappy? When your phone rings and you see a certain number as a caller ID, does your stomach twitch or you're, you're hesitant? You let it ring a long time. The third quadrant, write down um, really what um, makes your soul sing. What do you really like to do? Do you like to garden? Do you like to um, exercise? Do you like to sing? What What makes you happy? And then in the last one, write down really what you have to do. Set some boundaries with some people. Um, I know I have, uh, you know, had to set some boundaries. Like I wouldn't talk to somebody if I saw the caller ID come in after six o'clock because I knew the person had been, you know, depressed and drinking and would not get off the phone and go on and on and on. So I'd call her the next day when you know I was ready and she was not in that in that place of negativity so you have to set boundaries maybe learn how to say no to people in a nice way look at your calendar and make sure you do something for yourself every day not just get a massage once a month but really do something every day like go for a walk do something physical do something spiritual even just listen to music just sit there just do something for yourself every day and it's not selfish to take care of yourself Mm -hmm. right do you think patty that it takes um years for us as women to to come to these conclusions because i know from from personal experience it's take you know it's taken me you know 50 plus to come to the point where i can say or need to say no to people just like you just said you know right. what are those things that are not working do you think we mm-hmm. can teach our children these things early on i think i think so i think you can teach your children how to say no in a nice in a nice way and i call it the no sandwich i mean then there's the meat in the middle and that's the no and the bread is the kind of the compliment part like if someone would call me and say patty would you like to be president of the pta next year and i would say something nice like oh thank you for thinking of me that's quite an honor and then the second part would be no i think i'll have to pass on that and then end with a nice thing like, but I know you'll find somebody that's going to be great, and I will be glad to help support him any way I can. So you end on a positive way. But teach him how to say no, like I'll just have to pass or that won't work for me, and then just stop. So if you can teach him how to say no without feeling guilty about it, um, I think that's be a great thing for our kids to learn. Absolutely, because I think we, you know, get to the point where stress does take its toll, you know, in mm-hmm. physical ways. So you you had that going on um, early on too, and that's kind of what spurred you to move on and 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 kind of help other people. 
Mm -hmm, It does. And I think, you know, when I look back now on my life, like we do, like you said, it takes 50 some years to, you know, get where we are. And it does take, it's a process. It's a journey. And we just have to learn to appreciate each step along the way. But when you look back, you can see, I go, people ask me all the time, do you regret staying in the convent for seven years? And I said, no. I said, that's all part of who I am today. Those seven years made me sympathetic they made me understand the relationship with god and now i can help others because people come to me feeling so guilty that they um left a a a family and had to seek a divorce from an abusive relationship and i said no you're taking care of yourself you're watching out for your children you can't feel bad about breaking up a family i mean i had a lot of guilt i call myself the guilt sponge but you know and i had to go through that convent experience and the 12-year failed marriage to be able to help the the women that I'm helping today. Well, I think that that's um, great, great advice and given your past experience. Um, so today you're, you do workshops, correct? And I do workshops and write books and help people where I can. I volunteer for women's shelters and kind of jack of all trades here. Yeah, it sounds like it. Do you um I I I'll ask you a personal question. So you grew up in a Catholic, you know, um family. Do sure. you, what would you say to to women and, you know, because I find it personally hard to juggle, you know, a a full-time career and children and then getting up on on Sunday mornings. I know this is a personal question and then, you know, hey, let's go to church. How do you handle mm-hmm. that? Well, you know, when we grew up, you had to go to mass every Sunday or or it was a mortal sin. I mean, you know, that's kind of how I was raised. We were going to burn in hell the rest of our life if we missed Mass. The only way you could if you were sick or you were ill. But now I think we can use a little bit more discretion, and I think it's a, a great training for children, too. So if you don't go to Mass one day, well, let's go find God outside and just take a walk and look at the beautiful trees, look at the sunshine, and say, you know, sometimes we can find God outside of church. And that's kind of what this new book is about Closing the door on church and finding God in our everyday lives with the people he sends us, the situations. He's always asking us to do something, to be generous or to be forgiving or to enjoy abundance or joy. And get kids to talk about that on the walk, you know, and you can be a great role model. And so I think, you know, I'm not saying don't go to church, but we can put it in perspective and reach out and, you know, expand it a little bit. Right. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think you can look for look for, you know, spirituality and and God and and every day and what you can do to help other people. Um if you if I could ask you regarding your father because you've mentioned your father, what one virtue did he instill in you? You've mentioned one thing um that was that I love as far as giving you choices that were win-win situations, but one one virtue comes to mind. Well, I think it's faith. I mean, he was, you know, we were raised severely Catholic, but it is faith that it all works out for the best in the end and that there is a an all-loving presence in the world, spirit, universe, God, um, whatever you want to call he or she, that is, um, there's really a bigger picture in life. 
And I think that that serves me, served me well, no matter how dark the days got or how lonely. I knew deep down that there was a loving presence in the universe that's mm-hmm. positive and that will take care of me in the end. I might have to go through a bunch of, you know, pain right now, but in the end it will all work out. Right. I mean, there is right. Good Friday and there is Easter Sunday, and I think that is kind of true of everything. The calm does follow the storm, and the sunshine does follow the night. I mean, it's we're all in a rhythm, and I think as soon as we can kind of go with the flow of life and what God sends us every day, we'll 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 be a lot better off. We we won't un- totally understand it, but we know it's going to be worked out for the end. So I think faith is one thing we can, you know, reinforce in ourselves and our children. Oh, I agree. My my mom's motto was, you know, this too soon shall pass, and that mm-hmm. helped me. You know, every time something came up that was troublesome even you know as I got older too before she passed away I always remember that and I try to do that with my children as well well and it's also works the other way everything is not going to be dark and hard forever it will come up and when you're on top of the world and everything's going your way you know it's not going to always stay that way you know it's going to come down it's kind of the rhythm of life so nothing just stays the same I I agree. I um I love and I'll take this away with me as an exercise to the four quadrants that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So you put down what's working, what's not, and the next quadrant, and what makes your soul sing, and right. what you have to do to, to make that all come together. I hope our listeners right. have have you know written jotting that down so they can take away and kind of do that exercise. I know I will for sure. Could. And if you go to my website, pattycogatech.com, I write a little blog every Thursday that comes out. It's short. It's about 300 words, and I try to give some inspiration every week. So if you would sign up on that email address, you'll you'll get the blog, and you'll get the a free download of the prequel to the book. And it's the first seven chapters. It's the original first seven chapters of the book. And it's the high school days. And it's called The Making of a Guilt Sponge. And it's when I was in high school, what I went through to be the guilt sponge and how I came to to the decision to be a nun. So go on pattycocotech.com and um, you can follow me there. Well, that's great. I know I'll do the same. Um, and you mentioned, too, you have the prequel. Can you talk more about that? You mentioned it real briefly, the prequel, the prequel to your book. And it's a free download of a book. It's short. It's probably 63 pages. And it's the first – It was the, originally it was in the book, A Change of Habit. And it was the, the high school days and my junior year and my family and, you know, some backstory, some background. And I thought that was important for the book. Well, when the editor got it, the editor thought it was too much backstory and wanted the book to start the day I walked in the door of the convent. And that's when it did. So I had these first seven chapters that I really wanted people to read, you know, for the back, for the understanding of it. And so it's a free download on my website. When you give me your email address, you will get the um, the free book, 63 pages. Oh, that's terrific. Well, Patty, thank you so much for being on the show. I've really enjoyed well, it, and I'll take a lot with me, too. Well, good. I hope you and your listeners uh, have, uh, you know, find the happiness that we all deserve and not feel guilty about it. So kick some guilt and do some reflection and be strong and be happy. 
Absolutely, especially for for females that are listening, um, we can all take a, um, everything that you've said and hopefully get on to your website and learn a little bit more. Okay. Um, ladies, I'm so happy that you tuned in today, learned from our amazing, fantastic female guests, and I hope you recognize this as an opportunity to pass their knowledge onto your daughters and friends and share the wisdom of the ages. I'll talk to you again soon, and in the meantime, let's lift each other up, spread the love, and share an attitude of gratitude. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to the Tell Janice Radio Show. If you'd like to be a guest or suggest a guest for the show, or if you would like to nominate a fabulous female for a shout-out by Janice on the live show, please visit www.telljanice.com. Please share this episode with your social network and help us lift women up. Join us next week for another episode of Tell Janice.